Amen. Well, you guys can have a seat. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. And I just want to reiterate, happy Mother's Day to all you mothers in the room. We're so thankful for you. Uh, I also want to acknowledge that there may be someone in this room who has been trying to be a mother and for whatever reason has not been able to yet. And I just want you to know that uh, I've been praying for you this week. And I'm so glad that you are here because I believe that we're going to see in the word that God has sent an advocate, an intercessor on your behalf for those who are struggling, for those who are hurting, for those who have no answers. God has sent his Holy Spirit to intercede on your behalf. And so I don't know where you're at, but if you're in this room and you have been praying for a child for a very long time and for whatever reason God has not granted that to you, Know this, that there is one who petitions on your behalf. There is one who intercedes on your behalf. And he is there holding you and sustaining you because he is good and he loves you. This morning's message is entitled, Heaven's Advocate. An advocate is one who pleads on another's behalf as an intercessor or someone who supports or helps one another. There were two boys by the name of Joe and Bob, and the names are truly not their names for identity purposes, but they were removed from a home. Their father was abusive. He was an alcoholic. Their mother was addicted to opioids. They were pulled out of this home, and in elementary school, these boys were adopted and brought into a family for a short season. And But soon into this season, they realized that the parents uh, were involved in some domestic violence stuff, and so they pulled the kids out of this home and tried to reinstate them, and they went back and forth with that a couple times until finally the home was unsafe, and so they pulled the kids out. And here's these two little boys in elementary school having no place to call home. At this point, another woman comes up and she says, man, I'll adopt them, my family, my husband and I will bring them in. And so these kids went to this family for a short time. And after about a year, the mother, this adoptive mother, put them up for adoption again because she wanted nothing to do with them. And the boys said at this point, they never trusted anyone for the future. They never even thought about the future because it changed from week to week. They, they really had no home. They were really orphans in this world, and no one wanted them. No one had a place for them, and no one was fighting for them. But luckily for them, a judge at this point had heard their case and put this CASA mom in, into these kids' life who was going to serve as an advocate for them, one who was going to plead on their behalf. After doing some digging, this woman found that they actually had an uncle that had offered to adopt them years ago, but for some reason, no one saw the reference in their file, and they just, it got buried, and no one saw it, and so she tracked down this uncle and asked if they would be willing to bring these kids into their home, and he was just broken. He couldn't believe everything that had happened to them over the, in the previous years, and he said, absolutely. So six months later, two days before Thanksgiving, these kids were finally adopted and given a home. And to this day, they're thriving and they're going to college and they have a future that they never had before. But this was all possible because someone advocated for them on their behalf. Someone helped them when they could not help themselves. That's exactly what we're going to see this morning. As we look, as we continue our study through the book of John, Jesus is saying, I am going to the Father. I'm about to leave you, but I am not leaving you as orphans. I'm not leaving you alone. In fact, I'm sending another helper to help you and to sustain you. I am sending one who is your advocate, who is your intercessor, who will intercede on your behalf. So if you need someone this morning to intercede, if you're dealing with something that there is some deep pain and you're saying, I just need, I need to know that someone cares. My prayer this morning is that you would see that the Holy Spirit of God is a living and active and he intercedes on your behalf and he pleads when no one will plead for you and he advocates for you when no one will advocate for you. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that you are faithful. I thank you that you have sent us a helper, a comforter, one who can intercede, one who can comfort us when we have no comfort, God. And I pray in this place this morning that your spirit would move in a powerful way, 
that you would do what only you can do, that you would, ju- that you would just bring comfort to those who need comfort, God, that we would be strengthened, that we would see what your word says about this helper that you have sent, God, and that, that you would move in ways that only you can this morning. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to open to John chapter 14, we are going to finish chapter 14 starting in verse 15. Jesus says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Keep in the Greek, really this word means persist in obedience or pay attention to. So Jesus is saying, if you love me, you will persist in obedience in keeping my commandments. But it's interesting because right after this, he follows up with verse 16 and he says, I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. As if Jesus is saying, man, I'm asking you to keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But guess what? You cannot do it alone. Jesus is saying, I've been walking with you for three and a half years and I have been your comforter. I have been the one who has sustained you, but I am leaving And I am telling you that if you love me, you will persist in obedience. You will keep my commandments. But I'm acknowledging that you cannot do it on your own. This word another is also very interesting because it reveals that the Holy Spirit is a person. It is not a force in it or a thing. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity, and the Holy Spirit is a person, another helper that was going to come when Jesus was glorified. He was going to be sent to help them and intercede. So I want us to see that before we move forward, to know this, that the Holy Spirit is not just some deity force or this thing that acts on our behalf. He is a person. And for the believer, if you are in Christ, he dwells in you and intercedes on your behalf. Helper or intercede or intercessor really means that it, it comes from this word in the Greek, and which comes from two Latin words. One means to come alongside of, and the other means strong. So literally what this word is saying is a comforter who stands alongside one in need for one purpose, to strengthen them. And oh, how we need that. We cannot do it on our own, and Jesus knows that. We are sinful. We are fallen. So he is saying, I am sending another helper on your behalf. And it's also interesting that he says the world or those who dwell in darkness, he does not say they will not receive the Spirit. He says they cannot receive the Spirit. Why? Because the only one that can receive this advocate, this intercessor, this one who invades to strengthen you is one who has believed upon the name of Jesus and confessed him as Lord. It's the only one. Because they believed upon the name of Jesus. Verse 18 or 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Then he says this in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus is saying, I'm returning to the father, but I am not leaving you alone. I'm not leaving you to fend yourself and basically say, good luck, right? Good luck with that one. No, Jesus is saying, I am calling upon the Father to send someone to you. Just as Joe and Bob had an advocate that interceded on their behalf when they could not help themselves, Jesus is saying the same thing, that I am sending you one who will do the same. And maybe you're in this room and maybe you were an orphan. Maybe this is hard for you to comprehend someone who would intercede on your behalf. I want you to know that regardless of what you came from, there is a God in heaven who loves you so much that he sent the Spirit to intercede on your behalf to comfort and advocate you for you to the Father. As we talked about last week, sometimes the tendency is to view God and how we have been demonstrated in this world. God is saying, I am not of this world. Look to me, I'm advocating for you. Even if you had no parents here, I am after you and I have sent a helper to intercede on your behalf. Verse 19. 
Yet a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Why? Because I live and you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. In what day? Jesus is saying in the day that I send the Holy Spirit, you will finally know, you will finally be able to discern what is spiritual, that I am God, that I am in the Father. See, before that, As we saw all through the book of John so far, they could not wrap their mind around this. But remember, the Holy Spirit had not yet come. He had not opened their minds and enlightened their minds to who Jesus was. And he's saying, in that day, you will see that I am God. In that day when the Holy Spirit invades with power and I open your eyes, you will see that I am who I said that I am. See, when the Spirit came, they would understand two things. What they had been unable to previously comprehend, that Jesus and the Father are one, and to see Jesus is to see the Father. And two, they would understand something new, that they would be in Jesus and he would be in them. Amazing. That he was not this distant, removed God, but that they would literally dwell in him if they believed in him, and if they believed in him, God would dwell within them as an intercessor and an advocate on their behalf. Verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and what? Manifest myself to him. This is amazing because God is saying that this obedience is not just some stoic obedience for the sake of obeying, but he's literally saying that if you obey, you will see how much I love you, that my love will be revealed to you, that through your obedience, God reveals himself to us. So see, it's not just about duty. It's God says, if you love me, you'll obey me. But God reveals his love to us as we obey. See, Jesus reveals a very beautiful promise in obedience here. He says, love for him does not end in some stoic obedience to his will. But when we are obedient, we experience the love of the Father. And get this, Jesus reveals himself to us. The God of heaven reveals himself to the people that persistently pursue him. Essentially, Jesus is saying, if you love me, you will obey me. And as you obey me, you will experience my love and I will reveal myself to you. We're going to see a little bit more about this in a second. But verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot. This is probably Judas, son of James, that we see in Luke 6. In Acts 1, it says, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, again, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and the Father will love him, and we, Trinitarian reference, will come to him and make our home with him. Now, what this is not is this is not a statement of God saying, my love is conditional to you based upon how you keep my commands. It's not what he's saying. It's not based upon your merit. It's based upon his. See, this word in the Greek with its syntax carries it with it the idea of this, to express or prove one's love for you. So Jesus is saying that as you are obedient, as you seek me, why? Because you love me. As you do that, I will reveal myself to you. I will express or prove my love to you. How? Because he's going to dwell with you, it says right there. Sometimes we get this idea of obedience as just this list of rules and duties to do instead of obedience actually brings the fullness of life. Obedience is actually the way that Jesus reveals himself to us, that God demonstrates his love for us and reveals who he is. It's remarkable. All of a sudden, my desire to persistently seek after him is no longer about just doing it to check it off the list. But God, if you're going to reveal yourself to me as I'm obedient and it shows that I love you, it's a win-win. What more could we ask for? 
See, Jesus says, if anyone loves me, they will obey my word. And as you obey my word, the Father will prove his love for you by dwelling with you, by giving you this Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit as an helper and an advocate. Verse 25, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. Here it comes again. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. We're going to talk about this in a little bit, but I want to say this before we move on. Jesus says that when he sends the Holy Spirit, he will bring to remembrance everything that he has said. Like I said earlier, I'll say it again. Prior to this point, they had not had the Holy Spirit, so they could not discern that which was spiritual. So the only way that they could discern the truth was through the spirit of truth that was coming, Jesus said. But number two is this, and I think it's very important that we don't miss it. It provides assurance from God himself that the first witnesses, John on this account whose testimony was preserved in the New Testament, was recorded by the Spirit according to what Jesus taught. Think about it. The Gospel of John was penned in about 90 A.D. That's about 60 years after Jesus was glorified to his Father. So not only is this promise to us that the Holy Spirit is what discerns truth, he's also saying that you can trust me, that everything that John has recorded was brought to remembrance so that he could record it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has come. Because the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance everything that I have said, Jesus said. Everything. It's amazing that everything that Jesus said was protected by the Holy Spirit to write this book in particular in 90 AD, and it was true in form and is without error. Verse 28, or verse 27, peace I leave with you, and we're going to talk about this in a, in a second, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, I give to you, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. And then he says this again. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father. If you loved me, this is a common theme, for the Father is greater than I. I want to take about two minutes and address this because as I talked about last week, it's a very dangerous thing and we cannot do it to develop theologies based upon one verse or three or whatever. We have to look at the immediate context of Scripture and the greater context of Scripture as a whole. See, this verse has been used when Jesus says, the Father is greater than I to start many heresies. It's been a proof text for many heresies to say either Jesus is less than fully God or Jesus may in some sense be divine but is not fully human. It's not what Jesus is saying at all. It has no, it, it does not have anything to do with denial of his deity. So what is it saying? Well, we know in John, if you've been with us for a while, that, I mean, how many references has Jesus made that he is God? Numerous. Too many to count. So there's no way that this one verse, Jesus is saying, oh, wait, by the, wait, maybe I forgot. I'm not God. My father is greater. We, uh, I'm inferior to him. No, look at tons of verses where Jesus proclaims to be God and many to come. So it's better probably to interpret this, and we've seen this text a few weeks ago with John 13, 16, where Jesus says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. See, Jesus is not saying that he's inferior to the Father, but he's owning his place as a servant and magnifying the one who sent him. Think about God. He was seated on the throne in majesty. The Father was seated in heaven on the throne in majesty with hosts of angels worshiping him. Brightness of his glory was uneclipsed, yet here is the sun despised and rejected by men, surrounded by enemies and soon to be nailed to a criminal's cross. Philippians 2, 7, Jesus emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being in the form of the likeness of men. See, Jesus is owning that he is not greater than the one who sent him. 
He is not making a statement that he is less than or inferior to the Father and that he is not God. It's not the statement that he makes. And anyone that would argue that is wrong. Anyone that says that Jesus is not God or less than God is wrong. It's heresy. Jesus is fully God and fully man. It's one of the great mysteries of Christianity. So with the time we have left, I want to look at, oh, hold on, let me, sorry, let me finish. And now I have told you before that it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. Jesus said, I'm telling you all this for one reason. We saw it last week and we pounded it home. What's this one reason that Jesus is telling the disciples what is going to happen so that they might believe? Jesus is saying, you don't believe me now, but when I do everything that I've said, you will believe that I am God because no one else can do it. That's the whole message of the book of John, that you might believe that Jesus is Lord. And to anyone who will bow their knee, he will save them and set them free. That if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and what? Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It's the message of John. It's the overwhelming message of John is belief. In verse 30, I will no longer talk with much with you, for the ruler is coming to this world. He has no claim on me. Jesus is saying the enemy has no claim. I'm about to defeat sin, and I'm about to defeat death. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know what that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. So if we look at this text... You're probably thinking, man, there's a lot in there, which I agree there is a lot in there. We could probably spend six weeks just on what's in there, but we're not going to. So if we look at this, what is the overall message of what Jesus is trying to communicate? And I think it's two things. If you love me, you will keep my word, and I am giving you a helper to help you do so. We can see it really in the first two verses. I'll read it again. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Jesus is saying, if you'll love me, you'll keep my commandments, you'll keep my word, but I know you can't do it on your own. I know you'll jack it all up, right? So I'm sending you a helper. Jesus is very clear that whoever loves him will keep his commandments. And he is also very clear, he said, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Kind of a cutting and a brutal statement, right? See, we live in a culture where many would claim to know and love Jesus, but very few keep his words. And not perfectly. He doesn't expect perfection, right? We see that the word means persistent obedience. Jesus is not saying, I don't expect you to keep it perfectly. I'm perfect. You're not. But the desire of your heart is, should be to persistently pursue me, to persistently be obedient to what I have called you to do. Why? Because it's a mark that you love me. See, those who love him are not merely those who know his word, as we talked about last week, but keep his word, but believe him for who he is. This is not the first time that Jesus has said this in John, if you've been with us for a while. Chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus says, If you abide in me or remain in me, as the word means, in my word you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How about 851? Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. There's a common theme. Or John, we can also see what he said in 1 John 2, 3 through 6, and this we know that we have come to know him. He's saying, this is how you know that you've come to know Jesus. If we keep his commandments, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way that Jesus walked. John is saying, if you know him, but do not obey him, you do not love him. It's Jesus' words, not mine. <laughs> Jesus is saying, if you love me, you will 
Seek, you will try to obey my word. Why? Because it's life and life to the full. But if you have no fruit in that, if you never seek me, if you never pursue me through my word, you don't love me. It can be a hard statement to wrestle with, right? It can be a daunting statement. See, we live in a nation that has been culturally Christian, and many would profess their love for Jesus with their mouth, but deny their love for him with their actions. They will say that they love him, but they never even try to keep his word, which according to Jesus, they do not love him at all. And before you start thinking of someone else, think of yourself. Because <laughs> I know what you were doing. You were thinking, oh, yeah, I have a friend, man, and he is horrible at it. He says he loves Jesus all the time, and then he's out doing this and sleeping with his girlfriend and sleeping around. And, oh, man, if my mom could hear this message... <laughs> Right? Or if, if my friend was here. No, think, think of yourself. See, we have all professed to love Christ and neglected to obey his word. Newsflash, I'll be the first to admit it. We all have. By our very actions, we have professed that we love the world more. And guess what? We're in good company. You ever heard of the Apostle Paul? <laughs> Listen to what he says. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that is good. So now there is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but what? Not the ability to carry it out. For I, do not, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. <laughs> Sound familiar? Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So I find it to be the law that when I do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being or in my spirit. I delight in the law of God. He says, I want to keep the law of God. But then he says this, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And then he says this, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death, but then he says this, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but I serve my flesh. But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Here's what Paul is saying. The very things that I want to do, the very things that I know I should do, I do not do. And I can't figure out why I can't do them. Right? He says, I'm failing miserably. Literally, all I want to do is the things that my spirit is testifying to, and I fall on my face again. So then the question is, Jesus says here, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So you're thinking, well, if Paul can't keep the word and the commandments of God, I'm sunk, right? I'm the Titanic. I've hit the iceberg years ago. In fact, I'm already all the way under. But even he did not perfectly keep God's law and command. So how can he love God? If he loved him, he would keep his commands, Jesus said. Answer, because God first loved him. And because he first loved him, he sent an intercessor that when he messes up, he advocates on his behalf. It's amazing that Jesus does not expect perfection because he is perfect. We are not. But he is saying, if you love me, the desire of your heart is to least pursue me, to persistently try to be obedient. And when you mess up, fall at the foot of the cross again and say, gosh, dang it, again, I'm just like Paul. The things I want to do, I don't do. And Jesus says, praise God. You finally seen that you can't do it on your own and that you need me. And that's why I came. Think about this. 
Praise God that salvation is not based upon our perfect love for God, but God's perfect love for us. Unbelievable. Because we cannot keep his word perfectly. Jesus knows that. But he says, if you love me, you will consistently pursue me. You will consistently try to keep my word. You will look different. Your life will look different. And when you fall, the spirit of God is interceding on your behalf. So get back up and try again. Get back up and try again. See, God tells us to persist obediently, not perfectly in keeping his word. You will not keep it perfectly. I'm going to walk out of this room right after preaching on this and mess up somehow. (laughs) It's human nature. We don't have to be perfect because Jesus was. Now, I want you to listen to the first part of 1 John that I did not read earlier. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. This is in 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 1. So that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. What's interesting is the same Greek word as helper in the Gospel of John, the same word. You have an advocate, but now the advocate is not the Holy Spirit. The advocate is Jesus. With the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, he is the propitiation, or he is the one that satisfies the wrath of God for sin that we might be reconciled. That's what propitiation means. He satisfied the wrath of God. For our sins, and not our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, what? If we keep his commandments. So the same word in John that means helper or advocate, we see that John is saying the Holy Spirit intercedes on behalf of the Son to help you keep my commandments to help you keep my word. In 1 John, the same word, John intercedes, or the Son, Jesus, intercedes on our behalf for salvation. Both intercede, both advocate for you if you are in Christ. See, the Spirit is our intercessor that enables us to obey Christ's commands. Jesus is our intercessor to declare us righteous before the Father, despite our inability to perfectly keep his commands. It's amazing. See, God is not asking us to keep his commands on our merit or strength. He knows that we can't. So what? This is number two. He has given us a helper, the Holy Spirit. He knows that there's no way that we'll keep his commands perfectly. It's not by coincidence that verse 16 follows on the heels of 15 when Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And guess what? Newsflash, I've sent you a helper because you're going to need it. (laughs) If you could do it on your own, there'd be no need for the Holy Spirit. Jesus, knowing his disciples were in great agony because he was leaving them, said, I'll fix it. I may be leaving, but I'm sending another helper on your behalf. So what does Jesus tell us about the Holy Spirit in these verses? And with the 15 minutes I have left, or 12, I want to see three things that this text says about the Holy Spirit and how it applies to our life. The first is this. The Holy Spirit, he advocates and intercedes on our behalf. You're like, dang, that's a shocker. You've been talking about it for 30 minutes. (laughs) Think about it. Our helper, the Holy Spirit, is our power source to keep his commandments. You cannot do it on your own. We saw in verse 16 that this means he stands alongside one in need to strengthen. To strengthen, to fight on your behalf. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you to fend for yourself. I'm here for you. I fight for you. Need more proof? I hung on a cross. And after I hung on a cross and defeated death so that you might have life, I ascended to the Father and then sent the Spirit to intercede on your behalf. I am here to help you. See, he will strengthen you when you cannot strengthen yourself. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. You need strength, lean in. 
The Holy Spirit intercedes on your behalf. He's an advocate on your behalf. He is comfort. He will be your strength when you cannot strengthen yourself. And even if you're going through the darkest hour of your life right now, he is with you. He will never leave you. He fights for you. And most importantly, he will remind you that this is not your home. One of the difficult things about life is when we're going through trials and we're going through struggles and we're like, man, the world is crashing in on me. How can it get any worse? I followed you, God. I've served you. I've loved you. It's hard to wrestle with sometimes. But we need to remember that sin has stained this planet and God has never promised that it would be easy this side of heaven. But what he has promised is this is not your home. And if you will lean in, if you will trust him, if you will allow the Holy Spirit to intercede on your behalf when you're going through the darkest night of your life, even if the world is falling apart, he will remind you this is not your home. There's so much more. Listen to what Paul says in regard to the work of the Spirit in our sufferings. I think we have this verse for the screen, Romans 8, 22 through 28, if it's not. There's Bibles under your chairs if you need one. Paul says this, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons to no longer be orphans, in other words, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope at all. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And then he says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself, what, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows that what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So if you're going through a moment in life, if you're going through a season, maybe it's the darkest night, maybe it's midnight and there's no light in sight. Know this, that if you are saved, if Jesus is your Savior, the Spirit intercedes with groans that words cannot express. Even when you don't know what to pray for, Jesus says the Spirit intercedes. He's advocating on your behalf. What a promise for those who are in Christ. See, that he's advocating for you in your suffering when you don't have the faith or strength to do it yourself. In boxing terms, you want him in your corner because he's 100% got your back. Jesus said, don't be afraid. If you are in me, the spirit will be with you. See, maybe your marriage seems like it's falling apart right now. Maybe you've made the biggest mistake of your life before walking in the doors of this building. Maybe you're suffering in ways too deep to be explained. Maybe you just lost a loved one. Maybe you got a negative result from the doctor or lashed out at your kids or lied to your spouse and they don't even know about it yet. Or maybe it seems like the world is crashing down on you. Hear this. If you are in Christ, in our weakness, the Spirit intercedes, for he is our helper and our comforter. And hear this, the Holy Spirit cannot condemn, he can only convict. Condemnation is from the enemy, conviction is of the Spirit to draw you closer to God. 
So if you walked in this place and you are beat down because of something that has happened and maybe you're saved and you love God and you're like, I can't believe I've res- I resonate with Paul, I've done it again. If you are feeling this deep weight of condemnation that is from the enemy, kick it out. But let the Holy Spirit of God gently intercede on your behalf, gently convict you of your sin to draw you again to the feet of Jesus. And he will welcome you with open arms and say, welcome home, my son or my daughter. Let's do it together. See, the Spirit intercedes when we cannot intercede for ourselves. And often the way he intercedes is through peace. Jesus says it right here. I give you a peace, but not as the world gives. The world's peace is garbage, it's fake, it's a facade. I give you a true peace that even if you're walking in midnight and even if it's the darkest day of your life, if you will lean into me, if you will let the Spirit intercede on your behalf, I will give you a peace that passes all understanding so that you can say it is well with my soul and you don't know what this peace is until you've experienced it right after caroline and i were first married we planted a church it was going great god was doing incredible things the problem was i made a mistake and i brought some people onto the board that i never should have brought onto the board I knew it. The Spirit was telling me, man, there's a check, like, wait. But I was like, ah, we're church planting. We need to put some people on. We'll be fine. We can deal with these issues later. And I rejected the prodding of the Spirit and rejected. And and it wasn't out of ill will. It was like, man, well, we can work through these things. And about eight months in, everything began to unravel. And essentially, to make a long story short, I was forced to step down from the very church that I set out to plant because half of the board wanted to take it in a different direction, and they would not leave. And I just remember when I turned in my resignation, sitting there in the deepest pain that I've ever experienced, thinking, well, I was going to be here for 40 years. God, what are you doing? Sure, I made some mistakes. Sure, I shouldn't have done that, but... And just this, and the rejection that was brought, the things, some of the things that were said, cut very, very deeply. But you know what? In that moment, God reminded me of something, that the Spirit intercedes on your behalf. And you know what he gave? A peace that passes all understanding that I could say, even in the rejection, even in the pain, even in the turmoil, even with not knowing what in the world was next, I could say it is well with my soul. A lot of times when Jesus intervenes, when the Spirit of God comes in and advocates on your behalf, the only thing that you may have is peace, but peace is enough. And you know what? The enemy can't give peace. Peace cannot be counterfeited. The enemy cannot give peace Only the Spirit of God can. Number two is we're going to quickly wrap it up. Number two is he teaches. We see that in verse 26, that we cannot understand the word of God without the Spirit. The Spirit of God is what discerns that which is spiritual. It'd be like me going into a room, anyone who knows me knows I'm horrible at math, and says, here's a calculus teacher. I'm the Teacher gives me a book and says, all right, open it, go through every page, figure it out, read it, and apply it, and you'll be a master of it. And I'll open the book, and I'll look cross-eyed, and I'll be like, I have no idea what this is saying. I have no idea what this letter means or this number means. I can't teach myself. Looks like a bunch of jargon, right? Well, see, the role of the teacher is the agent to teach. That is the role of the Holy Spirit with the Scriptures, That if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you can open this book and read it almost as a history book, and you can read the words, and you can understand some moral stories, but your eyes will not be open to the things of God because the Spirit of God has to intervene. It is the Spirit of God who teaches. And Jesus says that. He will teach you all things. And number three, as we wrap up, this is probably the most important role of the Holy Spirit. 
He lifts high the name of Jesus. It's his number one role to exalt this king of glory, to exalt this king who sits enthroned on your behalf. That is the number one role of the Holy Spirit. We see it in verse 26. Jesus says, when I send the Holy Spirit, you will remember everything I said to you. See, when Jesus is lifted high, we cannot help but remember what he has done. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know how long or you've been a believer, or maybe you're not even a believer in this room. But if you have been a believer, I encourage you in this to sit down and remember what Jesus has done. Let the Holy Spirit move on your behalf because when we remember what he has done, Jesus is automatically magnified and lifted high. It's the number one role of the Holy Spirit. See, there's nothing that we need more than the Spirit's work in magnifying the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit exalts the finished work of Jesus on the cross above all else. His role is to magnify the work of redemption. Magnify the fact that we cannot save ourselves and he sent one who could. But here's the catch. And you're thinking, man, I didn't know this was a pyramid scheme, <laughs> right? I've signed up for a few of those and I don't want to know one of those you're thinking. Well, it's not a pyramid scheme, but there is a catch. See, there are conditions, and the conditions are this. The Holy Spirit can only inhabit those who have been redeemed and set free by the blood of Jesus. And if you have not been set free, you are all on your own, you're all by yourself, and it's basically good luck. <laughs> good luck. Because the Holy Spirit cannot inhabit those who have not professed the name of Jesus. If you have not accepted this free gift of salvation, the Holy Spirit cannot dwell in you. And we see that in verse 17. You have no advocate. You have no peace. You cannot dis spiritually discern the word. And you have no one in your corner. You are all alone. You are an orphan wandering in a wilderness. And Jesus is saying in a moment that can change. In a moment. See, if you're not in Jesus, you don't have an advocate in heaven who is Jesus, and you don't have an advocate on earth who is the Holy Spirit testifying and working on your behalf. Basically, you're completely on your own, and you have no shot of keeping his commandments perfectly. And guess what? Neither do I, but the one who is perfect has paid my bill. But upon salvation, you can receive an advocate both in heaven and on earth, a helper to be perfect when you are not. See, you no longer have to be perfect because he was. Salvation is not based upon your perfect love for God. It is based upon his perfect love for you. And praise God that his love for us is stronger than our lack of love for him. Praise God. So as we wrap up, I want to ask this question if Jen and Marcus want to come up. Do you know heaven's advocate? Do you know the Holy Spirit? Do you know King Jesus? Because if you don't, all of life is in vain. Is he interceding on your behalf or is he not? If Jesus is the Lord of your life and the Savior of your life, he is interceding, and in the darkest moments, he is there advocating on your behalf. But if Jesus is not the Savior and Lord of your life, you have no intercessor, you have no advocate, and you are an orphan wandering aimlessly in the wilderness. And you will be till the day you die. And the day you die will set your fate and you will be separated from this holy and loving God forever. See, if you don't know him, you're an orphan. You're without a home. No one is fighting for you. You're wandering aimlessly, and you're searching for love in all the wrong places. 
But today, Jesus is calling you home. He's saying, you may be an orphan. You may have walked in this room an orphan, but in a moment, the Holy Spirit of God can invade and he can enable you to believe that I am who I said I am. All you have to do is believe. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And when you are saved, I will send an advocate and intercessor on your behalf. So you no longer have to measure up. Why? Because Jesus already has. And if you will surrender, you will have a family and a home that cannot be taken away. For the God of heaven can now dwell within you and stamp you as his own. See, we lived in a messed up world. Families are broken. Kids are without parents. It's not a reflection of the heart of God. It's a reflection of the heart of the enemy. And Jesus is saying, regardless of your past, regardless of how long you have wandered, regardless of where you have been, if you will come to me and if you will acknowledge me as king, I will set you free and you will be stamped by me. And you will be given a home that no one can take away. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that your spirit is alive, that he is moving, that he is active. And God, I want to pray two things this morning. Number one, if there is someone in this place that came in broken, that came in hurting, that came in as an orphan, God, that they would leave with a home. That they would see that they cannot measure up, that they would see that they cannot do it on their own, that they, can, that they would see that they can seek for love in all the wrong places and never be fulfilled, but there is one who loves perfectly, and his name is Jesus, and he has come to set them free. And if that's you, all you have to say is, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I'm in need of a Savior. I cannot fix myself. I acknowledge my sin. I turn from it. I believe in who you are, and I will follow you not only as my Savior, but as my Lord. You can be given a home in a moment. And for someone in this room that has followed you for a very long time, God, I pray right now that your spirit would intercede on their behalf. Maybe they need something. Maybe they're struggling with something. Maybe their family is broken. Holy Spirit, would you invade and intercede and advocate on their behalf? Would you give them a peace that passes all understanding? And would we be a bunch of people that pursue you, that desire to keep your word? Why? Because we love you. For you say it is a mark of our love for you that we persistently seek obedience to what you have called us to do and to be. God, we love you. We thank you for this morning. Would you be glorified and lifted high in this place? Would you do what only you can do? And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen.